This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus name. We're in Psalm 109. Can you believe it? We're in Psalm 109. It is a little bit negative depressing it's not your uh it's not your upbeat song that we've been dealing with lately the praise songs and things like that it's david and him dealing with people speaking bad about him and uh lying about him and we're we're going to move through it because it is a fairly long song if i'm not mistaken it's close to 40 verses in fact nope it's 31 but 31 verses that's a lot of verses to do in 30 minutes he says do not keep silent O god of my praise. He's asking God to to keep speaking, keep moving, keep doing. And oftentimes when we're in times where we perceive we're in trouble, and remember, our perceptions are not always reality. Your perceptions of the world you live in are limited by your where you stand in that world. They're limited by your knowledge of what's going on around you, which is very limited. And I, I, you need to know that your the knowledge of what's going on around you in the hearts and minds of the people around you is very limited. You do not really know what's going on in their hearts and minds. And oftentimes your perception is that they're focused on you a lot more than they actually are. People generally are focused on themselves. And that ranges from anywhere from about 50% of the time they're focused on themselves to most people kind of err on the 100% of the time being focused on themselves. Oftentimes when you're looking around and you you people doing and going and being and saying and all that kind of stuff, your perception is that they're all is that is that paranoid schizophrenic reaction. I'm being well, I'm being attacked. Everybody's talking about me. The truth is that really usually nobody's talking about you. They're focused on themselves, their own lives, their own troubles, their own difficulties. And unless there's some kind of giant cabal taking place where they're trying to take you down for whatever reason may be, the truth is that the world's generally focused on itself and uh, and the paranoia will destroy you. But it really, the, the what you're paranoid about is likely to not. He says, for the mouth of the wicked and the mouth of the deceitful have opened up against me. And he's heard people talking bad about him. That's what he said. People have been saying uh, bad things about him. And the people who are saying it are doing it with a lying tongue is what he says. I'm going to say this to you. Uh, and I'm going to say it to, to you this morning because it's very important. We've all, most of the people who are on Bible study this morning have graduated from high school, but we always go back to high school, but we never quite leave high school very long. And our hearts and minds, that's where we learned to have relationships. That's where we had our, 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 our coming into adulthood time. And we, the truth is we never leave it. And, and here's a, here's an absolute fact for history and for everything else. People are going to lie about you. They are. People are going to lie about you. And and they're going to come up with things about you that help themselves. And you just have to deal with that. You have to, you have to just you have to just know that's what's going to happen. And and having that perspective on life 
allows that to be a baseline for how we live and it becomes less of an issue for you. It becomes less of a problem for you. When you know that people are going to lie about you, when you know people are going to say all manner of evil about you, then it's just just it's just the baseline of what is and what is not. He says, they have also surrounded me with words of hatred and fought against me without cause. Um, notice people are going to take their positions for their own personal reasons. And uh, those reasons are oftentimes very wicked. And those those reasons are, that's right, Jackie, you just take it for what it is and you pray for it. He says, they surround me with words of hatred and fought against me without cause. That's just the way life's going to be. And if you don't really come to the perception of that and the understanding of that, you'll oftentimes spend your whole life fighting against what, what is in reality ghost, things that aren't and not really even knowing what's going on with the things that are. You just gonna, you can't control anything but yourself. And, and trying to control anything more than that is you trying to be God of your life and, and, and God's God of your life. He says, in return for my love, they are my accusers. Notice that they're people that you actually have a relationship with. They're people that you actually know, that you actually have been around. That just happens in life. They've they have rewarded me evil for good and hatred for my love. Very important, mature thing to understand as we go through life. And I know if you've been, you've walked in this before. When you get caught up in it, you forget about it. We don't love people for them to love us back. That's not the purpose. If that's the purpose, then that really is a self, a very selfish reason to love someone. And if it's selfish, it's not love. It's something else. And that's sick. Okay. We love people. Uh, we love because God first loved us. We love other people because we know the love of God that we've experienced in our own life. And by knowing that and by walking in that, we don't love people so that they'll love us back. We don't love people so that they'll say good things about us. We don't love people so that they'll give us the warm fuzzies. We love people because God first loved us, and we are trying to be like our Lord. We're not trying to get anything from them based off of our love. He said, set a wicked man over him and let an accuser stand at his right hand. When he is judged, let him be found guilty and let his prayers become sin. Let his days be few and let another take his office. This is actually a really good comment if you want to use, if, if you want to take this little passage out right here. It's, it, it, it is a very neat little pa passage about, about those who are in charge, governmental officials and things like that. Notice he says, set a wicked man over him. He's talking specifically about a person. And let an accuser stand at his right hand. When he is judged, let him be found guilty. And let his prayer become sin. Let his days be few and let another take his office. Now, that is a in fact, verse eight, I've seen on signs before and, and it's been used many times. It's a, it is a pretty neat verse there. Uh, notice David wants even worse for him. He says, let his children be fatherless and his wife a widow. Let his children, notice he wants him dead. Let his children continually be vagabonds and beg. Let them seek their bread also from their desolate place. Let the a creditor seize all that he has and, and let a stranger plunder his labor. Notice even in this biblical passage, there's an understanding of the capitalist idea of we own our labor and our labor results in property being on private property rights. And those property rights 
are, are, are the product of our own labor. And so if you take away property rights, you take away an ability's person, a, a person's ability to alienate their labor. Therefore, you take away their freedom. Okay, and and that's David is actually very well explaining a the capitalist system that's born from an understanding that human beings are naturally free. So if you want a passage of scripture where he's being very negative, he's being very negative, but he is aptly explaining in the Old Testament the natural state of man, which God made us to be free, and understanding that our labor what we have the right to do because we're free to do what we want to do, alienating that labor, which means I sell that labor or I provide that labor for something else. Alienating my labor for financial gain is a right of my freedom, and it's a natural right. It's what we call in in, in the legal parlance, it's natural law. Uh, I, natural law says I am innately free, and I'm innately free to uh, alienate my labor, and then also the possessions that I gain because of my labor, I'm free to alienate or I'm free to sell or, or trade for something else. This whole passage 6 through 13 has some, it, it is a very negative passage because David basically wants this guy destroyed. It has some very good understandings. It's based foundationally, principally on some very good understandings of how the world operates and how, how the laws of the universe have been set up. Set up so he says, let the cre- let his credit seize all that he has, and let strangers plunder his labor. Notice, let strangers plunder his labor, which means take what he gained when he alienated his labor. He says, let there be none to extend mercy to him, nor let there be any to favor his fatherless children. Let his uh, posterity be cut off, and in the generation following, let their uh, name be blotted out. Now, some people think that this is somewhat prophetic toward Judas and uh, the Antichrist to, to come. And it, in all actuality, it is, but it is, a, it is definitely a stark desire. And you can see how when we are focused so much on what other people say and what other people are doing and how other people are, are, are attacking us, you can see how if you allow that to roll in your heart over and over again, if you allow that to take place, you can see how you can end up in a very dark, bitter, nasty place. And that is where David finds himself. And now the truth is, he says here, don't let them have any mercy. And the truth is, we all deserve to be treated like this. We all deserve to be treated like this because of our sin, but because of God's great mercy, which means we don't get what we do deserve. We don't get that because of God's great mercy, because of his great love for us, we don't have to deal with that. But that being said, we do deserve it. And you can see David explaining that and going into some depth with it. He says, let the iniquity of his father be remembered before the Lord and let not the sin of his mother be blotted out. Let them be continually before the Lord that he may cut off the memory of them from the earth because he did not remember to show mercy, but persecuted the poor and needy. Notice notice what the person is doing. Notice, Notice David is going to explain why he has such harsh feelings about this person. He says, let them be continually before the Lord that they may be cut off from the memory of them from the earth because he did not remember to show mercy. He was not a person that showed mercy. We need to be people of mercy even with those who are merciless 
We need to be people of mercy, even with those who are merciless, because he did not remember to show mercy, but per persecuted the poor or the least and needy man, meaning he persecuted those who, who were less than him. And we know from Psalm 41, blessed is he who regards has regard for the weak. We're blessed because we actually do see people in their in their struggles and in their difficult positions. We actually see them there, and and we and we walk uh, with them in life and help them and have regard for them, and actually reach out to them to see change take place in their life. This guy didn't do this, as he loved cursing, so let it come to him. Notice he. He apparently had a filthy mouth. He per No, I, I forgot. He said he, he did not remember to show mercy, but he persecuted the poor and the needy man that he might even slay the broken in heart. He loved cursing, so let, him, let it come to him. As he did not delight in blessing, so let it be far from him. He's actually asking for him to get what he, what he, to reap what he sown. As he clothed himself with cursing, as with his garment, so let it enter his body like water and let oil like oil into his bones. I know I want you to notice here, David is saying that that you're allowing these feelings and these emotions and you're allowing these parts of who you are, not being the person of mercy, not being a person of love, not being not because they love us, but loving because God first loved us. We love because he first loved us. Not doing that, it is a penetrating thing. It, it literally penetrates deep within your body. It gets deep into your bones. It, it becomes a part of who you are. And walking in something like this and walking in bitterness and hatred and walking in this type of struggle, it, it becomes who you are. Your character and your nature become that. And it is highly destructive. And so I would say to you, if you are struggling with that, if you're constantly bitter, constantly angry, constantly, constantly wanting to see destruction and terrible things happen to other people and constantly taking advantage of other people and, and not regarding the weak around you. If you do that for long enough, it becomes who you are. And it, he says, uh, it like, it's like oil that penetrates all the way down to the bone. He said, let it be to him like the garment which covers him and for a belt with which he girds himself continually. Let this be the Lord's reward to my accuser and to those who speak evil against my person. He says, but you, O God, the Lord, deal with me for your namesake. Notice he's wanting to be dealt with. He's wanting to be dealt with by God according to God's plan and blessing. I would say to David, you need to deal with the own bitterness of your heart with this other person too. And I, I think that, I think you can see that stark contrast here when you're reading this psalm. Deal with me for your namesake because your mercy is good. Deliver me for I am poor and needy and my heart is wounded within me. I'm gone like a shadow when it lengthens and I'm shaken off like a locust. Notice he's, he's saying he's just barely making it. He's just barely surviving. My knees are weak through fasting, and my flesh is feeble from lack of fatness. Well, that doesn't describe me at all. He says, I also have become a reproach to them. When they look at me, they shake their heads. David is, is saying that he's he dealing with this and struggling with this has made him, made him very poor and nothing. And he says, help me, O Lord, my God. O save me according to your mercy, that they may know that this is your hand that you, Lord, have done it. Notice he's appealing to God to save him for God's name's sake. And you know what? That's why we are saved. We're saved for the glory of God. We're uh, redeemed for the glory of God. We're matured for the glory of God. We're glorified for his glory and not our own.
And David is appealing to God to lift him up, to give him strength, not for his own sake, but for God's name's sake. And when you're doing it for the purpose that is beyond you, uh, then you find yourself in a right position. He said, let them curse, but you bless. I love that. He says, verse 27, let me go back to that. That they may know that this is your hand, that you, Lord, have done it. Let them curse, but you bless. When they arise, let them be ashamed, but let your servant rejoice. Let my accusers be closed with shame and let me and let them cover themselves with their own disgrace as with a mantle. He says, I will greatly praise the Lord with my mouth. Yes, I will praise him among the multitude. Notice he's focusing back on God. He's focusing back on God doing God's thing. And when our life is focused in the right direction, and, and that means for the right purpose, and why were we made? Well, we were made to glorify God. Now, we do that through a relationship. If I ask most Christians today, why were you made? And you, many Christians, their answer will be, and it's not a wrong answer, but their answer will be, I was made for relationship with God. But that's not the core purpose. The core purpose for which you were made is to glorify or make God known. That's what the word glorify. You were made to glorify or to make God known. And the conduit by which you do that is your relationship with him. So it's not wrong to say that I was made for a relationship with God, but that is the uh, self-oriented, non-deep view, or what I'd call shallow view of why you were made to glorify God. The conduit by which you were made to glorify God is your relationship with him. And through that relationship, you use the powerful tool of your faith to trust God. And as you understand it, I was made to glorify God, the conduit by which I do that, or the context by which I do that is my relationship with God. And then the tool that God has given me to use to function in that relationship and to glorify him is the tool of faith, being able to trust God with my daily walk, trust God with my situations of life, trust God with my enemies like David's dealing with right here, trust God with, with everything that's going on around me. And as I trust God, for the big and the small, for the high and the low, for the important, and even for the small and seemingly meaningless situations of life. When I trust him with those things, I glorify him, and I have an intimate, deeper walk with him, a relationship with him. And so that's what we're made for. And David, as he's dealing with this person, he slowly is coming back to an understanding or slowly coming back to the understanding that his purpose and his reason for living and his reason for life is not to deal with the struggles of the day and it's not to deal with the people of the day that might be out to get him. Whether that's true or not, you don't know that it's true or not. Whether it's true or not dealing with the people who are out to get him, but dealing with people in the context of I was made to glorify God through relationship with God and by the power and the tool of faith that God has given me, the ability to trust him. And so if, if I do that, then I have joy. I have the ability to praise him. I stand at his right hand and, and he stands with me. And then it says to save him from those who condemn him. And salvation is found in that. Salvation is found in that each and every day. It's found in trusting him, it's found in, in knowing him. It's found in glorifying him. And as we trust, because we know, because our purpose is to glorify, as we do those things, we see God's best 
and we say the goodness of his days to come. And I hope that'll be for you today. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.